Hey, what's going on, guys? It's me, Nabil Abdul Rashid, and I will be in the final of Britain's Got Talent 2020 this Saturday. Show starts at 8. Please, I need you guys to watch. This is the one time a lot of people are saying, oh, they decided who's going to win already. No, they don't. If we vote, I can win. So, you know, selfish as it is, I want to win. If I win, we all win. If you're listening to this, then you're probably somebody who benefits from me winning, whether you know it or not. So please, um, on Saturday, I hope I can rely on you. Download the app. You get free votes, five free votes, right? Make them count. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can bring this home, man. Come on, let's go. Team Nabil. Salam, guys. Welcome to another TMB podcast. Um, this is a slightly different episode to usual. Um, so as as most of you well, some of you, I guess, will know regular listeners. Um, I also co-host a podcast called I'm Not Your Bilal alongside Nabil Abdul Rashid, um, who is a comedian who at the moment is actually, um, or well, on Saturday, he's going to be in the final of Britain's Got Talent um, and, and has a pretty good chance of, of winning. Um, so I, I sat down with him on our other podcast, um, that I'm not your Bilal podcast, and we just kind of spoke a little bit more about the the whole journey and 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 you know what um, what he plans to do for the final and everything else. But I think ultimately, I think what's really important, as you heard um, just before this, uh, we need people to support by downloading the app um, and voting on Saturday night. I think you get five free votes with the app. Um, that the the link to download the app will be in the description. Um, but please do. Um, support, tune in, vote. Uh, this, I think, is is quite uh, a, it's quite a crazy opportunity, obviously for him, but I think also for for Muslims on a wider scale, um, having someone like Nabil and, and obviously you know listen to the podcast that we've done before, the kinds of topics that we've talked about, and and you know looking at social media as well, that the stuff that he talks about in his social media. Um, I think is 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 crucially important that we um, get that message on a national scale, um, and and this is a great opportunity to do that. So, yeah, please do listen, enjoy the podcast, um, do subscribe to the I'm Not Your Bilal podcast if you haven't already. The link will be in the description, um, and let's bring it home on Saturday. And we are back after hiatus due to a very large change in circumstance. I don't need an introduction, but let's talk about your second host with the most. The brown man in town. The man with a tan and a master plan. The editor-in-chief and complete chief, Mr. Salim Kassam. You seem a lot, chir- you see, you seem a lot chirpier than usual. I mean, you know, even for an angry guy like me, you have to admit life is pretty <laughs> awesome right now, don't you think? <laughs> I, I do. So, so it, it's funny actually. We're we're obviously recording this uh, a couple of days before the Britain's Got Talent final, but I, yeah. I I think it's worth acknowledging the fact that we haven't actually discussed it on this podcast, even though it's ours and your podcast. Um, we, we've obviously had, I think, a lot more serious things to discuss and a lot deeper issues. But yeah. I, I've had to convince you to make time to to have this conversation to I guess recognize, celebrate and just talk a little bit about uh, everything that's happened with Britain's Got Talent, the Golden Buzzer. So initially we were gonna do a Golden Buzzer episode, 
but then the semi-finals happened you got put through to the final and now here we are you know it's crazy because like as great of a moment the semi the the golden buzzer was i mean you're not an emotional guy but you told me how you felt when you watched it right as great as that was it seems like my semi-final has eclipsed that Mm. you know um so it's it's a proud moment man um it's it's just strange because you know i went in there and obviously you know my attitude towards everything is give it your your best shot and whatever happens happens yeah i had no idea that it was gonna go that well you know it was yeah alhamdulillah you know um you don't get this far in anything without thanking god some of the message i've never been had so much support um from the wider community in my life Mm. um you know honestly i mean there's some negatives with it as well but luckily um you know, I, I think I can deal with that. But, you know, I, I, alhamdulillah, I'm truly grateful, man. So in terms of how things have gone up until now, I think it's probably worth starting from the beginning. So that, that first audition, um, what was that like going through that process? What were your expectations? And, and how did it feel getting that golden buzzer? Well, um, so, you know, when I finally decided that I was going to do it, um as you know as well i'm a very anxious person and mm. um, so there was lots of nerves i was scared you know i had panic attacks everything i was worried because you know most people have this thing like oh only failed comedians or failed whatever go on Brings gotana which is a huge misconception i don't know where they get that from um to be able to do the the, the level like obviously there are acts there that are just crazy but to be able to perform at this level in front you know, on a program that millions of people watch, you have to be good at your craft. And a lot of people don't realize just because a comedian isn't on TV doesn't mean that they're not good or even successful. Like I've been killing it on the live circuit for years, touring, theater stuff. And because of that, I was worried because I'm like, I'm not just some random open mic guy. I'm I'm someone that people know. So if I go on there and flop, that's my entire career gone. So like, it was all these thoughts in my head. And you know, mainstream television has never really given me that much of a look in um you know for obvious reasons with my content um so i just thought you know what the the live stuff is going but something just told me my fitra just told me that now is the time to try again and break into mainstream television Mm. and i just thought you know brin's got talent is one of the best ways to do it because there's no real middlemen um once you get past the audition and i'm confident in what i do i knew that i'm good enough to get four yeses I mean, my spirit told me I'd probably get a golden buzzer because I am good at what I do. I am. If you do something for this long, you have to be good at it, right? Um, so I went on the day. And I, I remember the audition day, man. That was chaotic. It was one of the most tiring days, man. But yeah, you know, it was nuts. I, we turned up early in the morning and I didn't get on stage until like almost 10 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. The whole day. Yeah, and I'd only had three hours sleep the night before because of my anxiety. That's mad. And 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 uh, I, like when we, I told you about uh, reaction, I had messages from people who who know that obviously we have a podcast together and whatever, and were like very happy for you. And a lot of them were, as you say, quite emotional. And people even cried. And I think there was that there was something in that kind of raw um, energy in in your reaction when at that moment that I think connected with a lot of people. Uh, what was I mean? What does that even feel like? Because you're on stage, you've you've just smashed a, a set in front of thousands of people, and and then to kind of 
get that um the golden buzzer from Alicia and everything else what does that moment like how, how do you even begin to, to describe what that was like in order to really answer that question I have to tell you that you know my journey in this comedy thing like when I first started doing comedy a few months into my career I landed a tv show on channel aka all the real ones right now watching in the like late 20s early 30s those of you used to watch channel aka or channel U will probably recognize me or remember that Big and, nasty, right? um, yeah, big nasty. <laughs> um, the jazzy awful, show. I'll, I'll leave the jokes up to you from now on. I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll skip over that bit. <laughs> the, the jazzy show, all this kind of stuff. I I started then. I had a, a TV show then, hmm. and I had sketches, and I was it was quite popular, and I was you know bringing my own style of comedy to Channel AKA, but the guy who ran the channel started telling me to like, they were giving all these ideas and stuff and you know you know the things that come with the music industry because even though it was a comedy show it was on a channel primarily for music mm. so the things that came with that i was not comfortable with you know they, they were um they were asking me to do things i wasn't comfortable with as much as some people like to act like i'm this super liberal guy like there's certain things that just didn't you know and then some of the sketches they asked me to do and things like that i said no so in the end i turned it down and I didn't get any TV work again for years. Then I, you know, I remember around that time as well, after I'd done, um, I won a competition, I got to open for Omid Jalili, I performed at Hammersmith Apollo very early in my career. You know, the, um, uh, an agent came and he, he tried to cast me in a film and I went there and then when I read the script, uh, there was stuff in the film at the time that was, I felt, disrespectful to Islam and Africans. Um, you know, it, it was some really dumb stuff happening in, and my character was going to do some things that I felt were shameful. So I, I, met, I, I, turned, I basically turned it down. So it was years before I ever got a part or anything on TV. And then, like, I would do comedy competitions, right? Mm. And I would make it to the final or semi-final and judges would not give it to me because I talked like they didn't like the topics I was doing and obviously you've watched me over the years so you know that what I'm doing now in fact what the people are seeing on TV is watered down well not really watered down the sanitized version yeah but but so I I was just gonna say even with with regards to like the content as you said it your your social media is also reflective of and like the the response that you've had with trolls and things like that even after the semi-final it's just been very much true to your nature for the last yeah. however many years that that we've known each other but yeah you know how i i think the the topics that you've covered especially in the two auditions or the the, the two sets that you've done the first one i think was mm. a kind, kind of about the muslim experience the second one mm. about being a black person in the uk and talking about the far right and everything else uh, I know what the answer is going to be. Has the, but has the thought never crossed your mind of 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 just how much you might antagonize people and and people might not like you as a result, and also you know closing doors for yourself as a result of that? Like, have you never been you know wanting opportunities and thinking, oh, if I just change the way that I do things, the way that I speak, um, I will I will get those opportunities that that my merit kind of deserves. Thing is, I would rather fail being myself and succeed being someone else. And that's the thing. So we talk about the golden buzzer reaction. You know, there are so many, there's a competition um, on TV 
that was on ITV. I won't say the name of the competition where even I, I was the best on the night. Anybody that watches the program can see. And a judge said, oh, the Nigerian guy just talked about being black and Muslim. So I'm not going to, you know, like so many times it has already cost me opportunities. Mm. And I think that when I got the golden buzzer on stage, because at first I didn't think I got the buzzer. At first I thought they gave me the three red X's. I thought they wakandered me off. <laughs> but um, when I saw the confetti falling down, what you saw was 11 years of frustration towards mainstream media um anger and also happiness as well and relief because i was like you know what you know i've got haters man there's people that dedicate hours of their day to try and ruin mine and they never succeed but there's people out there who spend a lot of time actively trying to do me harm and take food out of my children's mouths and i just thought if i flop on here tonight i i'm gonna lose a lot you know, I'm going to lose a lot because I already I've built what the career I had when I went on that stage was good. Mm. You know, now it's going to be better. But the career I had was good. And I was like, you know, if if I flop, I'm going to throw away all the stuff that I've had to work hard for. And, you know, my whole career I've had to fight. I've had to work harder than everyone else to get what I have. You know, what little notoriety, what little recognition I've had to work hard to get. So the fact that I did it, I did not fail my family, I didn't fail my fans, I didn't fail myself, that that also the vindication that, like, you know, people don't see it. Like, on that day, I had, uh, you know, what you see is edited because of time. On the day, I got, like, three standing ovations from the audience. I had to make them sit down so I could finish my set. I smashed it. Um, I swear to God, I can show you a screenshot. After this, I'll show you. Somebody that was working that day backstage said they had to stop all interviews backstage because the audience was being too loud. Wow. You know, the audience was being too loud and people would be like, oh, I mean, look at look at the response majority of social media has had. Not the far right idiots, but majority of the viewers of Prince Got Talent. Look at how th there's never been a response to anybody on BGT at semi-final like what I've just gotten. Mm. I don't know if I'll win. I hope I do. But this semi-final, like, right now, when you Google Britain's Got Talent, whose name comes up? When you, you search... <laughs> when you search Twitter, Britain's Got Talent, out of all the contestants, I'm the only one that shows up, you know? You were trending above the Pope at one point in the UK. <laughs> but it, it's, 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 it's been I think it's been crazy also like from from my personal perspective uh, speaking to you in anticipation of this stuff beforehand whatever else and then seeing the set and obviously like I think it's weird whenever you see someone you know doing something you obviously you want them to win you wish the best for them but then objectively being able to actually look at the, the set and I think especially the semi-final um, it, it, I mean you smashed it and, and, and Alhamdulillah it was it was one of those where there was just so many lines um, and so many different references that I think kind of ticked boxes for so many different demographics as well. It wasn't like you had to be from it because a lot of people as well, the, 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 the trolls, whatever, are saying that, oh, you know, m maybe it's a London thing. Maybe it's a black thing and maybe it's a, I don't get it. But I, actually, there's there's more than enough on there where, where you talked about very serious things. And I think that's also been a theme um, of your content beyond um, the stand-up, but the, when you're posting online, I guess, you know, not the week before 
uh, a big final like this but generally you're always talking about very serious things it's not just trying to make jokes and 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 make light of things but actually talk about very serious issues do you for yourself because even i i mean you've mentioned the fact that if you were to win you would you would be using the money in part or i don't know entirely to um fund a, an orf- is it an orphanage that you have back home in nigeria but it, f- for yourself what's what holds more weight is it the the comedy and being able to do that or the kind of social activism stuff that maybe a lot of people haven't seen um behind the scenes what what's more important i mean the charitable stuff i do for the most part is secret people just think i'm a troll and a wannabe comedian and they can think that i don't really talk much about that for a reason but um you know to me even the comedy really is social activism if you think about it i'm never funny just for being funny sake um because you know i just believe that allah gives us all gifts and we must use these gifts in service of him and we will make mistakes we'll do things wrong you know i deeply regret some stuff i've done in the past yeah but at the same time as long as there's life in my body i want to try and use whatever platform i can for good and if i'm talking to six million people or nine million people then it's my responsibility to talk about social issues you know because somewhere out there there's 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 a muslim kid who's being bullied at school there's a nigerian kid there's a there's there's an asian kid there's a working class white kid there's somebody out there who can relate to what i'm doing and maybe that is what stops that kid from killing themselves that week. You know that you know what I mean? Like I, I just I've learned to see things deeply because I've bumped into people now who've told me what a profound effect little things I've done has had on them. And now I take that rule very respond very seriously. You know, um it's a big there was responsibility. That, there was an example you gave the other day, like obviously not on, on the podcast, but but you were saying that there was someone that you met that saw you ten years ago. I think for for the interest of others, it, it's important I think for people to appreciate that because we don't always... She said it. She actually said it on um, the, the discussion that oh, you, yeah, you uh, checked. Actually, that's on, the, that's, on the, that's on the TMV podcast. It's on record, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's an influential sister, man. Yeah. What did and, she say you know, for, the, for the purpose of people that haven't heard that? I mean, I, I feel weird even repeating it, but she said how she was a little black girl at these um, Islamic events that felt out of place. And it was seeing people like me on stage that made her feel that maybe she could get up and make a difference for the ummah and, and you know, do the things that she's doing now. To yeah. paraphrase, right? She, she was inspired by watching people like me. And then someone else said that to me. I, a few people have said things like that to me. And I'm just blown away by it because I ain't, I ain't, I ain't nobody, man. Like I, I don't, I don't take myself as anything, you know? So, but hearing stuff like this makes me realize that you never know, man. And that's why I'm glad I never gave up because you never know, you know? And I, I've, I've been told that a video of mine stopped someone from committing suicide. So it's like, yeah. And even though the guy, the brother isn't with us anymore, um, you don't know man so it's like if you're given a talent or an ability or a privilege you don't have the right to quit so that's why with you know you see me take on so much adversity sometimes that i've brought on myself and i soldier through it because i don't have quitting is not an option my bro i'm changing who i am is not an option because at the end of the day i look at i'm not comparing myself to them but 
You look at people like Muhammad Ali. People probably told him, just shut up and win fights. Don't don't talk all this Islam stuff. Keep it personal. But did he quit? No. You look at Khabib now. You know, all these, you know, so many people have come out and stood for what they believe in. And at first, they'll laugh at you. They'll, they'll take things away from you. But in the end, people always come, come around. And isn't it funny how now I'm getting all this exposure and opportunity from the same thing that got doors closed in my face. Isn't it crazy? And in fact, the only reason I'm as good and as confident in what I do as I am now is because of how many setbacks I've had. So, you know, Allah is great. God's time and he never gets the time wrong, man. For real. God never gets it wrong. And I think also, like we were just discussing before this, like we had posted an article on the Muslim Vibe about um, the Islamophobia, which I think is almost like a, a standard expected undercurrent now whenever any Muslim does anything in the public sphere. But um, there's been, I mean, death threats. And I know you've had threats and people saying things to you sporadically over the past, mainly trolls, um, I think probably from within the Muslim community. But now it's, it's got to that point where there are kind of random people who you don't know who haven't followed you for years and, and got angry about loads of little things that are, are, are threatening you. Uh, I get, how does that feel? Um, I'm flattered, you know. I mean, if you don't get death <laughs> threats, then are you even are you even relevant? Are you even doing um, anything right? <laughs> yeah, not doing anything. If, you know, people like, you know, all my heroes got death threats and in fact were eventually killed. So, uh, except for one, obviously, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was never oh, killed. But my thing is this, like, I'm not scared of it. Um, you know, I think, one, if you're talking online, then you're not going to do anything. One. Two, even if, you know, I've, I've been in situations where that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when, you know, I've had a lot of crazy life experiences and, I think because of those experiences I've had in the past, um, without sounding like I'm not trying to project bravado. This is not, this is very honest. I don't really fear death in the way that other people do, because I know that it's going to come one day. What I fear is having wasted my life before I die. So when people send me death threats uh, because I've spoken out against injustice, I just think you're not going to do anything. But if you do, then you've helped me. Hmm. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind making that sacrifice if that is the reason why. If that, if like, if it's because I spoke out against racism that somebody would do that to me that would be an honor you know it's better that that is the reason than you know something stupid for example or something pointless which unfortunately in the environment that i used to be in a lot of people lost their lives over stupid things so if i lost my life because i I stood on tv and i proudly said allahu akbar then allahu akbar and uh, the Ofcom complaints, how do you feel about them? I'm disappointed I didn't get more. <laughs> it's funny, I guess like this year, it feels like all the coverage of Britain's Got Talent has just been around Ofcom versus ITV. 
Um, there was first the diversity uh, dance, which I guess triggered a lot of people. And then Alicia wearing a BLM uh, necklace thing. And then I think just your very existence as well um, is, is a thorn just in these breathing. people's... Just breathing. Um, Coming over here, taking our air. <laughs> but it might, I mean, look, I, I know, you know, as you said, it's not about bravado or anything else, but the, the hate at some point has to hurt, right? No? I keep saying this, man. I am black. I was born into being hated. Something I've dealt with my whole life. Like, this is the thing, like, someone like the person that me and you sat down with to have lunch the other day, mm. yeah, maybe you would hurt someone like them because they don't know that hate like this exists mm. in the world. But to somebody like me who has been raised conscious of it, these people are just raising their garments and showing us what is concealed. They're disrobing. Yeah, That's what they're doing. There's nothing that's happening now. What surprised me isn't the hate I got. It's the support. Really? Because, like I said, my whole life, my whole career, I've always had to stand on my own two feet. There's never been a crowd around me, bro. Mm. People admire me from far, but are too scared to defend me. People admire my work from far, in secret. They say nice things, but people always hide behind me. And you've seen this yourself. Even my biggest supporters, a lot of them, are too cowardly to step out in, in the line of fire and help. And that's cool, because again, that is the black experience. Everyone hides behind us. Um, so for me, this is the first time where people are trolling me and I don't have to respond. I've never had anybody fight for me before. But you've got people actually. I, I, to be fair, I've seen it as well, like especially after the, the semi-final. I saw people attacking and then you would have random white people, non-Muslims, anyone just coming in and actually uh, coming to your support, which is quite, um, I guess, especially for yourself, it's quite unique. Um, yeah, it's a relief. So, you know, I, I told you the other day that I'd, I've been reading uh, Malcolm X's autobiography. Um, and I think what's, what's really interesting about it is that it's, it's almost set in a different world in terms of like how polarizing everything is at that time especially with like the civil mm. rights movement and you know they were actually fighting for equality in a, in a legal way um but what what we were discussing the other day was that there seems to be like there's still that same narrative in people's heads but there's a yeah. a there's layers of complexity that people kind of mask their um their attitudes with do you do you think uh, this is slightly off topic, but I think it's relevant as well. But do you think the landscape has changed that much from the days of Malcolm X when it comes to uh, the black experience in kind of mainstream society? No, I don't think it's changed that much. I think now we just have, uh, again, there are certain complexities put in place to deflect discussions. Um, okay, in the literal sense, is, is there segregation legally? No. Is there apartheid legally? No. All these things don't exist legally. Yeah. Is there a caste system? Not legally, I don't think. But they exist in other ways. Because it's like if if um if two men who are equal equally fit uh have a race, but one guy is maybe four yards ahead of the other, the guy four yards ahead of the other will always beat the guy that's behind. 
Even if the guy behind is exceptional, maybe he might close the distance by like three yards. Yeah? But the guy with the head start will always be ahead. So what you have to understand is that in the West, around the world, really and truly, black people have been held back by more than just white people, by a lot of people. Mm. And because we've been held back, other people have had different levels of head start. And because they've had different levels of head start, you know, while segregation may not legally exist, right? Where there's still segregation because certain schools will have a history, for example, of taking in a certain class of student and only a certain number of races or communities will be in that class or be in a position financially to afford it. Because, you know, things like intergenerational wealth, um, they they exist because somebody's grandfather was able to get a job, yeah. but maybe mine wasn't. So you have it handed down. So because of that, that's why Eton is still full of whatever. And then when we relate it back to stuff like Britain's Got Talent, for the longest period of time, British television has been dominated by white upper middle class people. Mm. The lowest class people working generally in TV stations are still middle class. They're just lower middle class. So that's why it's taken so long for black people to break through. And that's why people get angry when they see us celebrate our victories when one of us does well at something. Mm. But it's that the hurdles that we had to jump through to be able to do that. You know, we have to excel. We have to excel. That, 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 no matter, it doesn't matter what field, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if you're, if you're a doctor, if you're an Asian doctor in a team of doctors, you're going to get the more shit. If you're an African doctor and deep, you're going to, it's just because there is that long head start that different people have had over each other, you know? So if you talk about Malcolm X and his times, people still have the same attitude. If Malcolm X existed now, half the Muslims that use his picture as a display picture will say that he needs to have more adab, you know? That's how heavily colonized we are. Yeah. And he'd probably still get killed. Uh, so, a <laughs> bit, bit of an awkward one, I think. Um, when when the, the semi-final went out, I shared the uh, the video on my personal Facebook. And, and, and very quickly afterwards, I had one of, one of the, my friends on Facebook. I have a lot of random people I don't know on my Facebook, so I don't know this individual um, personally. But they, they shared screenshots of of things that you've said in the past <laughs> you're already making that face no but but, but i think it, it's probably worth addressing because you've also tweeted about yeah. it that people are gonna you know bring up and talk about things that you've said and done yeah, or whatever else all the time um but I, I mean i guess once and for all almost not that this is like the most definitive platform but but generally do you want to address the things that you've said about um asians asian muslims being the descendants of um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to repeat the things you said. <laughs> um, first of all, I'll say this. A lot of the stuff that, like, there's a big definition of that term that I use. And the people who are spreading the screenshot initially, they know that that's not what I'm saying. But forget that. Even because some people read that and genuinely get hurt because they think that's what I mean. And that's yeah. not the case. And I am sorry about that. But what I'll say is, like I said, this whole time, um, I've always been by myself when it comes to defending certain things, like, you know for a fact that I'm not, well, you, I'm sure by now if I was racist, you'd have figured out 
I'm not. I'm too. I'm too educated to be a racist. But what my problem is, I'm very hot headed. Like I, I am uh, tongue in cheek when I'm happy. When I'm angry, I'm just vicious. And you know, because as you know, for a long time, I've spoken about certain topics like anti-blackness and so on in the community. You have seen it yourself that I've been a target, and particular groups of people would make five six like even if you look most people who attack me right and say things about me if you check those guys most of their friends they don't have anybody that isn't like them in their group of friends so it'll be an asian guy all his friends are asian and if you look at them they spend a lot of their time attacking black people or they have certain attitudes you'll see they're always in arguments with people Mm -hmm. these guys used to target me um they would make profile after profile after profile and they would target me and what they would do they would bait me into arguments when i was younger because remember i've been on social media 15 years um so like i was like 19 20 when i first got on socials right and these guys would argue with me when i was like still quite hot-headed and passionate and they would say the most vile things to me and then over time when i got married and they figured out that my wife was asian these people would constantly say things about my wife uh my children my race and it would it would be constant and it's like at the end of the day a lot of them would have hidden profiles so it's like i can't say oh look at your face like this so so the next best thing is okay they say something about my my culture they would crack jokes about nigerians and stereotypes so like the most common one if you read that thing you hear me say you see me saying it's okay for you guys to talk about emails because they were talking about nigerians being fraudsters so I was like, okay, but when I say this about you, you don't like it. And I named the stereotypes to do with South Asians, you know? And it's funny because people, even online, many times like Twitter and things like that, people say, oh, Nigerian, fraudster, voodoo, this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, but what are the stereotypes of, that South Asians have? Because a lot of the time, these guys who do these things and put down other races forget that there's so many things about Desis that can be used to make fun of them. You go to a lot of these Desi groups, you'll find in the comments, when there's a video funny about a black person, you'll see in the comments they're saying things like monkey, bandit, all, all this kind of stuff, right? So these guys will come and say all this stuff to me and it will get me angry. So I'm like, how dare you talk about me like that hmm. when you know that I can say these things back to you? And after a while, I would just let it fly and I would say whatever I knew would get them offended. I'd call them whatever i knew i mean there's certain ones i'll never use like the p word and whatnot but people and the thing is these guys have whatsapp groups as you know they've got you know this they've got whatsapp groups they've got loads of fake most of the profiles you see leaving these comments you go on their page and that's all they do they troll they troll people they do these things Mm. and back in the day i would respond and i would say vile things back to them because at the end of the day other people watching wouldn't say anything People would inbox me and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. My community has disgusting views towards black people. But they would never, ever come to my defense. You know, and you've seen it as well. Like, I remember you, you've seen it yourself. Many people will see the truth. They won't speak. Same thing like when people are being sexist or whatever. Many brothers will see a brother making inappropriate jokes or whatever. They'll keep quiet. You know, there's one guy I saw who was even recently saying, oh, yeah, Nabil said some stuff about me and it was personal. But I still have... Inbox messages of the guy messaging me to apologize for insulting my wife. He was the first person to do it. But many of these people, when they see that someone else has shared a screenshot of me, of something bad that I said how many years ago, 
they'll jump about, yeah, he said this to me. But they never mentioned that. Like, for example, you're my witness. Years ago, uh, two years ago, three years ago, I made a video and I apologized for this and I explained. But they'll still come back later with screenshots with no context. They never show you what they said first about, oh, look what he said. And they always wait to when I'm doing something where it looks like I might gain something and then they come to try and ruin things. You know, and these guys, some of these screenshots are six or seven years old. Some of these screenshots say, I mean, I'm sure there's some from recently as well. But it's like after a while, if you're one man and people continuously harass you and say horrible things to you. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If a man insulted your wife to your face, hmm. what would you do? You'd have to do something, right? What would you do? Like you're, you're a similar kind of man to me. You're not like a meek, timid person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause some people, maybe they're, they're, they're a bit cowardly or sickly or weak. So mm. when somebody says something about their family member, they'll just take it. But I know you. How would you react if somebody walked up to you and said, oh, why would your wife marry a dark monkey like you? What would you do? Yeah, you, you'd definitely fight back, say something. What I, I, say I'm, something. I, I'm, I'm the if kind someone of guy talks about would... your wife to your face. <laughs> we've had, we've had these conversations go. before. We're different in, in the sense that I would definitely confront them. I wouldn't just let that if, slide. If your wife and kid were there, and they said something know. about your I, wife I and kid. I don't know because I haven't been in that situation. And I'm pretty sure that's the answer. Okay, well, I pray you never are. But yeah, the thing is enough. this. These guys saying these things online say it because they feel it's safe to say it online. Hmm. Right? And this has been my experience and the experience of many black Muslim brothers and sisters. They target yeah. me. And I admit, yeah, I'm wrong for responding. But at the same time, I'm a human being. And remember, I'm not a da'i. I'm not a sheikh. I'm a Muslim, yes. But people hold me to a greater standard than they hold the people who start problems with me. Mm. So while I do apologize to people who are seeing these things now and are upset, I want them to understand I've apologized for these statements before. But what I haven't gotten is apologies from all these people who have intentionally lied about me, who have slandered me, who are the, per who are the people that instigated problems with me, mm. have lied about my family, have said things about my in-laws that aren't true, made up stories about me. I've heard all kinds of stories about me. And my in-laws too. But there is, there is this, and I think we, we might have uh, spoken about it on one of the episodes that we didn't end up releasing on, on this podcast. But mm -hmm. there, there is this nature in the, in the Muslim community, I guess in all communities, but I, 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 we can speak for the Muslim community because we've seen it. But whenever someone gets into a position of prominence or starts to climb up in any way whatsoever, you've got 50, 100 people trying to bring him back down because we, we ultimately, for whatever reason, don't want to see each other's success. Um, yeah, there's that, but there's something else. Whenever black people get into altercations in the Muslim community, mm. everybody wants us to be passive and forgive, mm. but they don't have the same mentality when it's for their own. Brother, you should have, you should have supper, you shouldn't have said that. But nobody ever says that to the person that calls me nigger, kala, monkey, bander. No one ever says that to the people that call us these names. Or the people that exclude us in one way, shape or form or share false information about us. There have been so many things over the years. Nobody ever says anything about that. People always get angry with us for the way we react. What they don't understand is this. If you Asians who are not racist witness racism and react angrily to that, people like me would not exist. People like me would not be enraged. People like me would not be fighting every day. Because everyone else would be doing something about it.
People will say things like, oh, why can't you be patient like Bilal radiallahu anhu? They forget that Bilal killed the man that enslaved him eventually. So if you really want us to be like that, we can. So all I'm saying is, you know, I agree 100%. I was wrong in those things that I said, but I've apologized for those things already. I've deleted those things. You look at the way I respond to things now, I ignore or I respond with grace and humor. Even the Daily Mail released a, a paper today, a story today saying how they really admire how I deal with all the abuse I'm getting now with grace and humor. I'm not threatening people. I'm not, I'm not getting into altercations with anybody. I'm not arguing with people. People say something, I'm going to have one funny comeback and then boom, I'm gone. Or I block or I mute. But these guys are trying to draw me back into that. You know? And I just think as well, you people that are seeing these screenshots and giving these people an audience, ask yourself, what kind of human being creates a fake profile and then spends two hours of their day sharing a screenshot over 120 times, 150 times? Are these people normal? You go on these people's profiles, what productive thing are they doing? Mm. Now, the things I said or whatever, you know, these same, this same community will forgive an Asian for saying something racist using a platform. Yeah, using a platform for da'wah. And they will say something like Abu Ibrahim, for example. But a normal black brother that's not... Because let's, let's face it, I'm not a scholar. And Islamically, there's no such thing as public person or influencer or personality. I'm not a person of knowledge. I'm just a normal layman like anyone else. And I'm being harassed. People can see, uh, yeah, but two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, but that first wrong shouldn't have been there in the first place. Mm. You know, if I break into your house and you end up killing me in the process of defending your home, that's murder or manslaughter. But you can get away with that. Why? Because I broke into your house. So if I'm minding my business and every day you're harassing me and then one day I flip and respond angrily, maybe what I say is wrong. And I agree. Maybe it's wrong. But why are you harassing me? I'm one man. One man, and there's like almost an entire network of people who bring it, who make it their responsibility to disturb me. I, what I do think you expect? What, what's also telling is obviously the more that we've kind of known each other and, and, and worked together as well, I, I've seen that there's like this, this thing where there's a constant barrage of, of abuse and, and you're expected to just take it, to not respond, to not react. And then the one time yep. you do react... It's like, oh, look at what Nabil has said. Look at what he did. He's so rude. He's so this. He, he wasn't patient. And, and I think what's interesting is that people don't, like we only choose, and, and it's like the social media syndrome. We only choose to see what we want to see. So no one wants to see the abuse that you've had and have got and whatever else. Um, but, but just look, 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 people just look at that kind of one time that you said something. Um, and yeah, I, I think like, you know, we've, we've had this discussion both privately and I think on the podcast as well. I would, I would like to think react differently because I'm not quick to, my, my, you know, I don't get angry very quickly in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. But I'd like to think that maybe I wouldn't react in the same way that you have. But at the same time, especially in all the conversations we've had, I can kind of understand what has brought you to that. Um, obviously yeah, and remember justifying that it in any way. What I'm saying is this as well. When you say you don't think you would, you're looking at the individual incident. Mm. No, I you know that's remember what I mean. This, it's, it's a current know, of... These yeah. people have been gang stalking and gaslighting and trolling me for about seven or eight years. People commit suicide over this mm. type of thing. 
I, I, the, you know, I, so the only thing I can, you know, I'm not is, saying I would because yeah. I'm not built like that. But you know, you have to understand this is not a small issue, mm. and you know, it's not one person. And remember as well, there's other background. Like for example, you're part of a larger community that's represented here in the UK. I'm not. Among Muslims, like black Muslims are small, scattered, whatnot, right? Mm. So I'm a minority within a minority. I'm a third class citizen in this country. You know, so it's like I'm in a position where, for example, if, if you had issues within your community, the close knit culture community, mm-hmm. there is some, there is a possibility that unless the person that you're dealing with is somebody that's high up in some sort of position above you, there'll be some kind of neutrality in the way that it's dealt with. But for most black Muslims, if you're in a Muslim environment and an Asian or an Arab does something to you, you know that you're not going to get justice because for the most part, people will have a bias towards their own. And you're seen as a troublemaker for speaking out. Why? Because a lot of the time, the negative attitude that you're speaking out against mm. is seen as normal. I'm not saying all Asians are racist because people love to come with that. But what I'm saying is even the ones who are not are so used to seeing this ignorance that they don't speak out against it. And many don't even know it exists because they haven't made the effort to see how the rest of us live and how the rest of us are treated. So once again, I'm not going to apologize again for this stuff because I've already done that at least two, three times. I've made statements about this and I have witnesses to prove it. These people aren't interested in apologies. They just want to try and stop somebody from getting. And the thing is, I don't care because the risk is from Allah. The only reason I'm even discussing this with you is because I have a lot of South Asian followers who may genuinely think that I hate them just because they're South Asian. And I don't. If I did, you know, I mean, like, it's very easy to confirm what my views are. It's very easy. I'm a very approachable person if people come to me with respect and ask me what I think. But a lot of the time, people don't do that. They come in online with a very aggressive energy that they would not approach me in person with, you know. So, yeah, I'm not a prejudice. Like, we have our, we do have our prejudices, but I'm not a racist. I don't hate any group of people. I can't. You know, literally, I can't. I've got a whole team of all types of people around me and I, I strive to make sure the things are good for all types of people around me. You know, but I'm at the same time, I don't apologize for taking pride in my culture and who I am. And I will not tolerate anybody trying to disrespect me on the grounds of where I'm from, how I look or what language I speak. So c- coming back to BGT, um, I-, I feel like and also looking historically at like the winners and the finalists in the past, I think just getting to the final itself is, is a big enough accolade to change the trajectory and direction of, of someone's career. And I'm sure it will have uh, an incredible impact for yourself if it hasn't already. But what changes for yourself in terms of what you're trying to achieve and what you'll do with the, with, with the enhanced platform that you'll now have? Man, it's not hard to see what I'm going to do with the enhanced platform that I have because you can just check my track record and my history. Those that know me personally know the things I've been doing. Like people say things like, oh, if I win, I will give money to charity. I'm already doing charity stuff. I'm already I'm already out here on these streets working in my community. And I made a point as well when I got interviewed, like, oh, so are you going to, you know, if you win, are you going to send money back home? to? Of course I'm going to do that. Every Nigerian sends money back home regardless. Shit, I sent money home just the other day. But the thing is, apart from that, I live here in England. I've got a community here. This is where my kids are. So I have to make what's around me better as well. 
And I'm doing that regardless of whether I win or not. Even now, as we speak, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do, the things, what I can do. Um, but winning, um, will, will winning or, or going further in the competition will give me a bigger platform to continue doing what I'm doing. You know, like, for example, let's be real. I didn't, people act as if I spoke about this stuff. You know, my naysayers act as if I spoke about this stuff just because of the complaints on Black Lives Matter. My episode was recorded five weeks before it was aired. As at that time, I had no idea that diversity had done a dance or that there were going to be complaints. I had no idea. I did it because that's me. And people have been watching my old videos on YouTube saying, wow, this guy has actually been the same consistent all these years. So... With everything, man, the pl- bigger my platform gets, I didn't have to do what I did for the semi-final. And most people would people were telling me, don't do anything too political. Don't. Don't do anything. People were telling me not to do anything political. And I said, no, I'm going to be me. And, you know, it just happens that Allah, Allah made it such that now is the best time for me to be doing what I'm doing. And to me, that is a story. If any, that is evidence that you should be yourself. Don't be anybody else. You know what I really hope? I hope that the next time we record an episode, we're going to be in some swanky studio with sponsors and advertisers and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the win. I, I, I think it's probably we, we've got to the point of the, the, the shameless plug um, section of the podcast. So for people listening to this before Saturday, um, w- w- what do you want from them? Yo, I don't ask for much, man. I rarely ask for anything. But if you're watching this and you think, I like this guy, I hope he wins. If you've got a teenager who um, you worry about and you think, I really want this country to be better for him, then you need to understand what we're doing when we go on these platforms and talk what we're talking. Right? If you want Islam to be normalized, if, you want, if, you want, if you're a black person and you want to see people that look like, if you're a Muslim, you want to see people that look like, or if you just like good comedy, if you just like conscious content, Download the app for Britain's Got Talent Saturday from 8 till about 9.30 or so. The program's going to be running. Once the app tells you it's time to vote, vote. And if you feel I deserve to win, vote for me. And people can vote five times, right? So they can give all five votes to you. If they five want. times, yeah, if they want. To anyone that's listening as well, um, if you look at the trajectory of my career doing this, I want you to know if you have a talent... Don't give up. Even if you feel you haven't been given your um, given what you deserve. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Just keep working hard, man. Whatever it is that you do. Not just entertainment. Whatever it is that you do. And never listen to anybody that tells you that you can't. You know, reach for the stars, man. Because if you miss, you might still be up in the clouds in it. And I'm hoping, I mean, your schedule permitting that, that this podcast will be a regular feature and something that we can do on a regular basis because the conversations that we've had, I think, are, are so important. And, and I, I think, you know, like you said, this is for me, this is the work that I want to be able to continue um, and, and use the enhanced platform to have more people listen and engage and, and learn ultimately, right? Um, That's right. So, yeah, thank you for making the time from your busy schedule to... Do your own podcast. I appreciate it. Are you feeling well? (laughs) I knew there was a dick coming there. Anyway, as always, each one teach one.